Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? You think that there's a good chance, I suspect, that Antonio Conte is the man. Tottenham finished second. Ooh. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Now our own Alana Canan joins us, freshly back from Wembley, Alana, where you were watching England create a bit of history, beating Germany in the Euro 2022 final. It was quite a contrast in so many ways to the final against Italy last year, in that England got it done in extra time, didn't have to go to penalties and go through that pain. But also, and you can speak to us about the experience of being there, very, very different to crowds rushing the gates the year before, the kind of messy atmosphere outside the game before Italy. Everyone seems to have had a really good time on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I've heard uh, no uh, negative complaints anyway as well. A very positive experience overall, I think. And um, one that a lot of people will remember for that as well as the football, I think. Because as you say, in contrast to uh, last year's or the men's Euro final, it was worlds apart. There was a real kind of family vibe to it. There was no hassle getting in or out. Um, and a lot of people actually arrived very, very early. I know we arrived probably about four hours early. We um, were trying to get a bit to eat before we went in, but uh, we thought there'd be no one there. But Wembley Way was absolutely packed, even at that stage. So, um, yeah, everyone just trying to soak it all in, I guess. Yeah. Um, with the game itself, we got to mention the crowds that went in. You were part of it, 87,000 strong. It's the third highest attendance for a women's fixture this year. Barcelona hold a record with the Wolfsburg and Real Madrid games in the Champions League. But it's also the highest for a UEFA-sanctioned competition final in the European Championships. Um, It seemed very difficult for people to get tickets. And that's probably a sign of this tournament, which had pretty good crowds throughout as well. Yeah, there was such an appetite, I think, for all the tickets. um, But especially this one, the big one, I guess. And yeah, like you're saying, it kind of, goes with the trend there of where there's been a lot of highly attended women's football matches this year. As you say, the Barcelona Wolfsburg, that was 91,000 plus. Barcelona Real Madrid, the same. And a bit of that as well is kind of what we touched on just there. There's no need for the degradation of fans because it is such a relaxed atmosphere so they can get those extra people in just to enjoy the football and be civil, I suppose, as, uh, as opposed to get involved with that kind of stuff no one wants to see. Were there a fair few neutrals there, if we consider you were there as a neutral, effectively? Like, you would expect that England fans would get their hands on most of the tickets. There were a fair spattering of German fans. I even saw a Kerry jersey in the middle of the Germany oh, fans when they were celebrating jersey. the goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No matter what crucible, happens, Johnny, like, is it the Masters, the Crucible? Bahrain GP. There will be a Kerry, Kerry jersey somewhere. And there was one right in the middle of the Germany celebrations. And I think that Kerry fan was not holding back and celebrating the Germany goal either. But um, were there many neutrals in Alana, considering that you know England would, in all likely you'd have got their hands on most of the tickets yeah I'd say um, that's definitely fair to say England where you're definitely the majority then followed by Germany but there was a good um, span of neutrals there uh, I was kind of taking full use of the non-working fan opportunity I was sporting the Irish women's national team jersey myself um, but uh, I wasn't the only one doing that either I know I was getting plenty of texts there seemed to be an Irish jersey celebrating amongst the Germans when uh, they got their goal through my goal so um, like a lot of is this you but uh, <laughs> got to call you out there now who are you up for who are you up for yeah yeah I think uh, I was in the a win for them as a win for us kind of mindset <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I didn't think you can uh, begrudge them that especially seeing you know the amount of 
investment um, into their leagues and their structures and just the backing they gave the England women's national team. I think it's a structure that could be replicated um, this side of the water. So uh, I'll go in that camp for that for that mindset of it, I think, Johnny. Well, just, Alana, just on that, because like my, my local club, Shivan Rovers, has had like a very, very strong... Um, women's underage team for a long time it's kind of been normal for me but in, in the League of Ireland sense this is this is only quite new where you have the likes of you know Sligo Rovers for example having a team recently your own local club this is something that um, I don't know what's your take on it it's been transformed in some respects but it obviously you need coaches you need uh, facilities you need time you need resources you need enough pitches to support all these underage teams and we, I don't know have we, we've so much potential in this country to get this right as well yeah, definitely. And I think, um, Johnny, you know yourself, there's a lot of good people working in the League of Ireland, but it's by translating that good sentiment, I guess, into proper infrastructural change and development. Because while we do have such good stories, even you could see last year in the Women's National League, how that ended, absolute fireworks. And now you have people in uh, playing for shells, such as Heather O'Rahley, mm. Heather O'Rahley, who has like 231 appearances for USA and 47 goals so yeah as you say there's such great stories they just need to get those resources I think to push them on even more and I think you could see that even in the Euros this year like the teams that went the distance are the ones that invest in their own league their own leagues I know um, League of Ireland friend of mine Shauna Cook uh, was talking about on Twitter about how 19, uh, 19 out of the 23 of England squad play in England 21 of the 23 of Germany squad play in Germany and like that's not by any means of luck. It's about investing not only in their um, national team, but in the leagues. And interestingly enough, the ones probably who came closest to beating Spain, or to beating England, was Spain. They had 21 out of 23. So that tells you all you need to know about the trajectory and the relationship of the home leagues to the national teams. And when you look at as well, WSL started around 10 years ago, but um, that's probably what had that England team so recognisable to a lot of the neutral fans I guess because you're so used to seeing like your Beth Meads, Leah Williamson's, Millie Bright, Fran Kirby, you know, Earps. like there were so many of them that you recognise from your WSL teams that it, that uh, kind of translated then to the national team. Yeah, look, if England are going to kick on and turn this Euros into a World Cup, they need the Women's Senior Super League, I should say, to be as strong as it possibly can be. And at the moment, it's arguably the best league in Europe, not just because so many of these England players are playing there, but they've brought in some of the best of the world uh, from outside to play there too. I was just thinking, before we talk about the game itself, you mentioned Heather Riley going to Shelburne. That's a bit of a mad one, isn't it? <laughs> Three years in retirement, um, decides she's going to come back and give the Champions League one more go. Yeah, well, um, she's basically um, had the list ticked off of everything else in her career. So the Champions League was the last thing she wanted to have a proper go at. Now, as you say, it's a bit like um, Sligo Rovers in Europe. Maybe she had a bit of a rude awakening there because um, yeah. Shelburne actually played Sligo at the weekend and Sligo won that one. So I'd say it wasn't the start she was hoping for, but no doubt she'll have an unbelievable impact. And as well, given that Shells are... Being the best team at the moment, they're kind of scoured for their best players overseas. So that kind of leaves them with some holes. She'll definitely be looking to fill that opportunity and yeah, kick on for them from here. The game itself then, and just before it is where we have to pick the story up in many ways, because we were talking to see Ronan on Friday's show, and we did a whole section on how Alex Pop was going to be very difficult for England to defend against, and she'd been playing really well throughout the tournament, and we spoke about the fact that she had had frustration with injuries at previous tournaments, and then gets a knock in the warm-up. What a blow for Germany. 
yeah, as you say, it would have been a different game had she been in there. Now, I actually didn't um, realise until they were calling out the um, team sheets that she wasn't in the lineup. I know um, some people had mentioned that they could see in the warm-up. I was well up in the sky, so <laughs> I didn't have that viewpoint. But yeah, such a blow to them. Six goals in the tournament and uh, in the lead-up to that game, in the running there for the Golden Boot alongside Beth Mead. And she's just been such a transformative figure, I think, for um, for Germany. You could hear uh, Emma Byrne was talking about it on Koiga yesterday. She really kind of just gave them that edge that they were lacking maybe the last few years. And at 31 years old, her first major tournament, she missed the last two through injury. She really made up for it this time around, though. But uh, I'd say she was gutted to miss, miss out in the final. She gave them that real X factor throughout the tournament. It's just a shame we didn't really get to see that final face-off. Mm. The England goals, to start with the Elatoon goal, what a finish. Yeah, the audacity to come out with the chip as well. Well, I don't know, I don't know how she did it, but yeah, ball slipped into her and just chips it over and as you say, the, the crowd went wild. I'd say Germany would have felt a bit aggrieved, um, as you say, just before that. I guess they had that penalty call, which I actually didn't even realise um, came about at all. I'm very surprised Barr didn't uh, pick it up or come back to it. Um now, I was kind of surrounded by England fans. So as I say, I didn't actually realise there was a grievance over it um, whatsoever. But yeah, uh, there was a lot of kind of question marks around the ref throughout the game. But it is a pity, I guess, that VAR didn't pick up on that and serve its purpose that it's set out to do, I guess. Yeah, and look, Germany, I think I feel very much aggrieved having watched the replays of it on the BBC when we are watching the game. And it would have naturally have changed the game as well because I got the feeling during all of it and even through extra time as well Alana that it was going to be very hard for either team to break the other down like they both have fantastic defensive records going into the final England lift the trophy with just two goals conceded Germany conceded I think three during the whole tournament as well Um, so this was always likely to be a little bit of an arm wrestle and a low scoring game and what an impact it could have had if Germany get themselves a pen and took that away yeah, and as you say, it changes the whole course of the game. You know, if Germany go 1-0 up there instead of Toon getting the, the first goal, you never know what could have happened because the crowd really got behind um, England then. And I don't know, I'd say it was kind of pressurising actually because, you know, the way they uh, were singing the it's coming home thing. And instead of sinking to that, I think they kind of rose to the challenge. I know um, Kira Walsh is getting a lot of plaudits now. She was player of the match. She was brilliant in it once again, but... Um, she's the type of player that drove them on for that victory, I think, in the end. Um, like Throughout the tournament, England scored the most goals in a single year. It was 22. Now, 18 of those came from open play, and the likes of her had a lot to do to, to do with that in that pivot role, and that was only exemplified again um, at the weekend. So, yeah, I think had, had Germany scored first, it's hard to tell where we would have been, but um, I think, yeah, uh, like, I mean, they got the job done in the end. You know what, Johnny? When you hear Kira Walsh, Chloe Kelly, I know. I was, I was thinking <laughs> that it's, Chloe Kelly. Um, just the, the image of Chloe Kelly. Um, how how like seismic is that image of her? Like taking off her shirt for women's football. What that actually means? I know Gary Lineker got into a bit of hot water over his tweet, but I think there's something defining about that image, and that um, this is this is a sport that has probably had to come through a lot of prejudices. Um, in the moments, probably its greatest moment of triumph in terms of uh, support, interest, quality of football. This is where we're at. I just find it defining. Yeah, I think so, Johnny. I mean, um, there's been instances before. You know, Brandy Chastain in 1999 mm. uh, did the same thing in the uh, World Cup final, and it had a lot of people talking about it in a negative sense that you know she shouldn't be doing that, or maybe it was 
sexualized or condemned beyond what it would be in the men's game because obviously it happens in both but it's just more of a regular occurrence in that side of things but I think it shows you how far um, the world world landscape as views on women have changed but also the football landscape because there wasn't that at all like everyone just took it for what it was it's just sheer crystal clear joy I think is is all you could kind of take off it rather than anything uh, bigger than that. I, I just, I, I find if you, I mean, as a kid, what, what would this have meant to you like 10, 15 years ago to see this tournament and to see the hysteria around it? Because there are loads of footballers that are created in England from what happened over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, definitely, like, you can only look at any of the major tournaments growing up. Um, I mean, I kind of watched all those uh, World Cup and yours along the way, but they're the ones that uh, drive you on to want to go and be these players. I'm sure there's lots of little kids running around their back gardens now wanting to be their Beth, Me- Beth Meads or Chloe Kellys or Alan White, whoever it is. Um, there's like multiple players now across all the nations really about uh, who they can aspire to be. And as I say, that's only going to progress things on from here. What can the League of Ireland do to make it more professional than it is in terms of looking after players and that it's not straightforward um, it's not like the men's game is straightforward here but what can we do? Yeah I think there just needs to if we can look at the English model and kind of have a look at that and see what we can take from it obviously um, they're going to have a, a huge monetary influx now and uh, you would expect some of that will go towards their WSL I think as we touched on earlier that's the way forward you know you need to invest in your women's national league so we can push on the women's national team um, because while we have that talent here at the minute and we're getting to see it week on week you know I just mentioned Heather O'Reilly there but she's obviously from the States we have a lot of homegrown talent as well you know um, throughout all of our women's national league teams so um, if we could kind of hold on to them for as long as we can push the league forward and uh, yeah, the step up for them at the minute is to go to the women's WSL or elsewhere overseas. Um, so that just tells you that they want that step up and to progress to that level of professionalism, as you say. Uh, if we could get a bit of a hold of that here, that'd be great. Re- really briefly, I hope some politicians were watching this and like I've made this point again about academies in Ireland. The academies are not for the boys only, they're for both. Like, And the academies do need support from government level and I think there is nothing bad that can happen from this. Putting money into your underage structures and clubs dotted around parts of rural Ireland, various parts of Ireland and um, creating jobs, keeping people at home and making the stars of tomorrow wear Ireland jerseys rather than England jerseys but we have to start from the base level and we have a long, long way to go. Yeah, 100%. I'd agree with that, John. Alana, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, guys. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.